with the latest in technology news and views. This is TechRap, the podcast. Welcome to TechRap, the podcast. We're online at techrap.net. We are on the socials as well. And you can email us anytime. Mail at techrap.net. Talking technology with Trent, myself and Will. Hello, how are you? Another week, another week of tech. Big week it's been. Some exciting new launches out and about the place. There is. So looking forward to uh, getting right into it. We can get right into it. You know, several major events, uh, many big brands. Plus, your quick heads will be quite interesting as well. Yeah, got quite a few of those lined up. And I know (laughs) there's one event that stood out to most this week and especially maybe... Maybe the trend of a, a few years ago might have been a lot more eager and keen to watch this event than possibly the trend of today. But yeah, what was it? Well, you know, the, the, the trend of today doesn't even get up at four o'clock to watch this thing. We're talking about the um, <laughs> Apple press conference. The long-awaited iPhone, it's about a month behind the usual targets that they usually have for these phones. Uh, they usually traditionally release them in September. And, and what I would find myself doing usually uh, was heading to the Henty Machinery Field Days, which is a big thing out here in the country. And then a day or two after that, you'd go in and get a brand new iPhone if you were keen to be buying one. Uh, but Would you get the iPhone from the field days? Would, uh, no, they, would there be no. an iPhone stall in the mud there? <laughs> no, well, the, well, you know, the, the, the field days would go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then the iPhone launch happens on the Friday. So I think we should let the, view, let, let the listeners in that have, have no idea what the Henty field yeah, days yeah, are. Yeah. Because right now it could, it sounds like it could be a tech event, but it couldn't be farther from the from related to technology. Yeah, um, big machinery field days. So for all your farmers with their yeah. farming gear, you know, um, people who 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 live in rural areas, um, you know, all these people converge on a little country town called Henty. Actually, they don't converge on the town. They converge on a site which is about five minutes away from there, and it's just a big flat piece of farming land that has a heap of roads on it, dirt roads, and they just set up stalls and show off their products, and you can buy food, and you can, you know... They have a really catchy theme song. Have races and all sorts of things. Yeah, they have a, a, a theme song that they've kept for about 30 or 40 years as well, because <laughs> it's been going for a, a long, long, long time. Yeah. Except but No iPhones, no iPhones. No though. iPhones, and the event wasn't held this year, of course, due to COVID. But mm. um, yeah, enough of that one. Um, yeah, I, I <laughs> Do you think that's why also it was delayed a little bit later because of COVID? Do you think? Yes. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, COVID has held up, uh, you know, both the development and also um, the sourcing of parts to be able to build these phones. So uh, they they have held it off and, and, you know, admittedly, they've only held it off a month, which has been... Uh, good for them because things could have been a lot harder if they hadn't uh, hadn't been able to to get it done uh, a month after. So what we saw from the announcement was four brand new iPhones. So you know they haven't wow. le- learnt from their previous years uh, in regards to having a scattered selection of devices. Um, but so they've, they've they've got an iPhone 12 which comes in uh, a couple of different sizes. They have a mini version, uh, which is 5.4 inches. The main iPhone 12 is a 6.1. And then, of course, uh, they have a, a Pro model, which I guess ups it in the feature sets. Um, you know, 
All of the phones are largely 5G capable, putting them in the league of um, many of the Android handsets that have already been released. Um, 64 gig, 128 gig, 256 gig sizes. Uh, they have, uh, you know, the dual cameras on the rear. Uh, the front face also supports uh, a night mode this time. Um, and uh, they've also, I noticed, got a, a LiDAR radar in the uh, Pro models as well. Uh, they're aiming this... Well, they're aiming this for photography and being able to, you know, uh, do a lot more low light photography and and being able to do it with much more detail than they previously mm. have as well, and 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 probably a bit more detail uh, than you know some of the Android variants uh, that have been using the main sensors to be able to do this. So, so essentially, if you get this phone, you you wouldn't even need a. A separate camera, right? Like say goodbye to DSLRs, mirrorless cameras. Well, is that what the go is? Well, I like it, it, it's they you know the cameras in smartphones are, are getting really good. Um, and for most people, I think you know a smartphone camera is is a good option. Um, for people who are you know doing it as a day job, you you wouldn't ditch your your, your device, it we you know your DSLR camera. Um, but you know for for an average photographer, I I think these are getting just as good for for taking most uh, point and shoot shots. Uh, you know your your your, um, your stills, your landscapes, um, you know your portrait photography, they all work pretty good. Um, it's certainly very capable. Um, two of the variants are, um, I guess, on pre-order from uh, the end of this week, and they will be on sale in a week or two. And then, of course, the um, the mini versions and the Pro Max uh, is that's out later on. That's about November at this point in time. But you know, they've all got say, you know, up, upgrade to their processors like they usually do. Um, there's strengthened glass on the, the cameras and the cameras on the actual phones themselves, um, much better than their previous variants, they are saying, um, which would be good for the people who like to walk around with no cases on. <laughs> um, you know, the, the dual cameras on the rear, which is uh, wide and ultra-wide, and two front cameras, it supports mm -hmm. 4K video, uh, the surround sound that they always have, um, and the spoiler for some people, uh, they do not come with a charger or headphones. But then, who uses a charger or a headphone? How do you charge the phone? Well, you'd traditionally be using the wireless charging functionality or um, your previous charging options if, if you've got a charging cable already so if, you, if you didn't have a wireless charger you have to go out and buy a wireless charger but if you didn't have a wireless charger there's a chance that you might have a cable already because if you're a yeah true. A, if you're like, a devoted apple fan you're already going to have a, a, a lightning charger um they do include a, a lightning to USB-C cable in the box but no charger yeah, that's weird. <laughs> like ever since the beginning of time, they've you always buy had a new it, yeah. phone and it would come with a charger. And not just Apple, but any phone. Mm. It's like a stock standard thing. Are they just trying to cut costs? Like, that that's what they're saying. They're, they're well, they're saying that you know, oh, you know, they'll reduce environmental impact by not 
not having these in yeah, the right. case, um, uh, alluding to the fact that there is a lot of people who just buy the next model as soon as it comes along, and that and that's their mode of thinking. They're not thinking about John Doe, who's never had an iPhone or hasn't had an iPhone for about three or four models. Well, I was going to buy an iPhone, one. but now now that I've heard about that, I'm not getting one. So uh, I don't believe not... you. Sorry, Apple. <laughs> I think that's wise. I have two questions. Yeah. One, what's like the major differences between the phones? Is it essentially just the size we're paying for and maybe a faster, more RAM, bit of bit quicker? But like, would you notice any of that? It's essentially you're paying for how big you want the screen, right? Faster processor. Um... Would you really notice? Like, it's like you can go to an iPhone 8, 7 and they're zippy. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, it's faster processor, different cameras, um, you know, different screen technology. Um, uh, they, they've they've upped the game in their screen. They've uh, introduced the five G, which some people would um, benefit from as well. That was my next question. Do mm. people care about five G yet? Well, I like in Australia at least. Do we care? Like, is this a selling point for us? Because it's it's not for me personally. I don't care for five G. I wouldn't buy a five G model of phone right now. I do see people who have been interested in five G. Although I think the the vast majority of uh, people that I see looking at uh, you know getting five G technology, they're not wanting it on their phones. They're wanting it. Uh, you know, as some sort of plug-in USB stick or or portable device that they can hotspot with, so that they can take advantage of what you really do on five G. Because you know, you could have it on your phone, but but what are you doing apart from just you know watching some YouTube videos or <laughs> jumping on Facebook yeah. or, or searching Who's for downloading something? huge amounts of content mm. over five G that they need these ridiculous speeds, like. Uh, but then you could say the same from going from three G to four G. But like, I think. Yeah. 4G is quite significant, right? Like a good, if you're on a good network like Telstra or something, you can be getting over 100 megabits per second down well, easy. You say that, but there are areas where um, I've actually had a reasonably good service on Optus, uh, where I haven't had. Um, oh, Optus, yeah. Yeah, there, there's people. There's people around my area uh, who have had issues with Telstra with download speeds on 4G, and, and nothing's really changed. And then you know, I'm I'm zooming along at you know 60 to 80 megabit. And that that's quite fine. That that's um, comparable to most people's good old NBN connections at the moment. So yeah, it's interesting what you say about the five G connection being used in other other devices, other methods, and then you talk about people who are like five G is brainwashing mm, us all or something. Mm. So probably a lot of routers in your home right now are probably operating on a five G bandwidth as we speak. Like if you're using a wireless internet connection, there's a high chance that your router is outputting 5G right now. I know my oh, router it, it has dual 2.4 and 5G options. So, that, so that's to get down... a better signal into my front room, I switch over to the 5G and I get an extra 20 megabits per second down because it's a stronger connection. That's um, that's technology and branding confusion though, because 5G in those wireless devices is talking about the fact that it operates on five gigahertz, and you yeah. know a certain part of the um, five gigahertz bandwidth. 5G in terms of mobile phone technology, it's it's more of a, a step up in the equipment they're using in the mobile space. They don't necessarily operate the network on five gigahertz. 
Um, so yeah, right. it, 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 it's more of like a branding. It's it's a bit like how. So why are they trying to? What's the whole five G thing? Just because they're gone from three to four to five, they have to just next to yeah, six G. You know, like <laughs> an evolution in titles and an evolution in technology as well. Um, you know, they're using a, a lot of small cells to achieve, um, you know, fast speeds in certain areas. So it, it, it works a bit differently to, I guess, how 4G is distributed. But yeah, an evolution in titles uh, a lot uh, is what this is all about. And it's a bit like how when Telstra first launched um, 3G, they called it Next G. Nobody else had a fancy name for it. It was just Telstra. But, you know, um, it, it, it's all in the marketing. Um, you know, maybe there are people the out there. Yeah, isn't doing that great for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with this new new iPhone and the new options, and I, I think there will be some people who are sold on the on 5G. Um, one thing that I am impressed with this year is the fact that, you know, despite all the different models of iPhone that are there, um, they've actually started to bring down the price on what they've been charging for these handsets. Because if Ooh. we look at last year's release, and, you know, there was less phones released last year, but um, they were pitching towards the $2,000 mark for all of the handsets. Now, you can get an iPhone 12 Pro or a Pro Max um, from between $1699 and $1849. It's still a lot of money. Um, you know, the Mini is cheaper. Is that US or Australian? No, that's Australian. That's Australian. Yeah, okay. Um, that is that's still a lot of money. It's ridiculous. It's so a, ridiculous. It is a lot well, cheaper than it was, though. And so, if there's someone who is looking to do an upgrade, who's about two or three versions behind, or you know, surprisingly five versions behind, they might find that um, this is a good option. Uh, in talking about five versions behind, they've gone back to that square-looking body as well. Uh, which is uh, certainly uh, going to stand out in the range of mobile phones that are they're on sale at the moment and give some people some memories of their um, their older handsets. So as a current Android user, hmm. this launch doesn't sway you in any, any way towards Apple. There's nothing there that you're like, I must go back to the iPhone. I am two years into owning an Android phone. And in terms of where they are at with their features, um, I have had a phone which is uh, two, two and a half years old in terms of where it is in the market. And its functionality is comparable to all of these things essentially. Um, mm. The only thing I, I haven't loved about uh, having this particular Android phone is uh, the curved screen. Oh, uh, what? I, I'm not a curved screen fan. Um, one thing that annoys me about a curved screen, uh, you know, can be the the angle that you look at the screen on and the way that uh, the picture is, you know, the, the picture looks on the side. And also... If you want to get a screen protector for these things, to get a good screen protector, you can have a bit of a battle depending upon what you've got. And because, you know, I've chose Huawei, um, it's been harder to find a decent screen protector. And then when I did, um, I couldn't yeah. couldn't locate them. You have, months to to, the track. you have to go. You have to go to China to get one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, I, I, I saw an interesting stat as mm. we're, we're talking about expensive phones, and it was something like. 90% of people surveyed 
said buying a new phone every year was a waste of money. I believe them. Um, I, so I, we've gone yeah. from we, back in the day, we got so excited about the new phone every year. And mm. because I think because it was affordable and it wasn't, you would be on a plan or you'd be on a plan. I remember back in the day and it would be, you know, you'd essentially be getting the upgrade for free or paying maybe $5 or $10 more for the handset per yeah. year. So it'd be negligible costs. And you'd essentially every year you'd stay on the plan for 24 months with your provider and you'd get the next generation phone coming out. And that was really cool. So we could actually get excited or we could trade our old, old phone in and only yeah. pay like $200 more and have the brand new phone. But now because the, the costs has just gone up through the roof, hmm. it's not really feasible to do that anymore because, you you know, you your phone's probably worth like maybe $800 now, but the new phones are like $1,600 if you want the, the high-end model. And there are just so many phones out there. And because they are released every year and they are quite similar to the year before, yep. is there a thirst and a demand for new phones every year? Or are they hoping to pick, piggyback off those people that are on those two-year cycles? So they're not actually targeted to the iPhone 11 people, they're actually targeting the iPhone 9, 10 people. But I know people who are still on iPhone 7, 8, and it does yeah, the yeah. job perfectly fine for them, like I, for the majority of people. I do know of people on older model handsets. Um, I don't think there's as big a thirst for Apple iPhones as there once was. Um, you could say there's there's less of a thirst for all of the phones generally these days. Um, the 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 big hype train that used to be surrounding these things is is not so much anymore because of. I guess the um, the monotonous strain of announcement cycles. They're they're all yeah, and they're always announcing Samsung, another one. It's Samsung, Apple, but then like we talk about these two. But how many other manufacturers hmm. are there out there that we don't even really get news from? Like Sony make phones, yep. Motorola make phones, Oppo, uh, Huawei, Oppo, um, Xiao. What is it? Xiaomi. Those yep. Xiaomi Mi yep. phones or the, the their their Note series, and it's like, and then there's probably like another five more on top of that. Mm. Um, oh, what was that other one? It doesn't matter. There's tons more, <laughs> and there's just so many phones out there. It like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> do I just get an iPhone? Do I get the Samsung? Or do I explore into these other phones and maybe find a really good bargain and deal? Because like, you know, no, they've been overlooked. No one's buying them. They get severely discounted. And you could find a, a, a phone just as good as the iPhone uh, 12 or, you know, the, the Samsung Note 20 or the S20 series for maybe yeah. seven, 800 bucks, but it's, it's still running Android. The specs are similar, but it's just not one of the main contenders. And I've been actually found myself lately looking at some alternatives because I've always been a Samsung Note user ever since you I switched have. over on the Note. I can't even remember what it was, Note 2 or 4. I think it was the Galaxy Note 2 was my first phone and I was 4 and then 6, I was 8. I, honestly, I've lost track, but it's been it's been Note for the past yeah. 10 years at least. And I'm now like, do I need another Note? Or should I explore one of these other brands out there? Yeah. Oh. And like recently, and I, I don't think it's just, like i think i don't think it's just me i think there are other people out there that are like this is ridiculous paying close to two thousand dollars for a new phone even yeah. 
over a thousand dollars. I remember five years ago, less than three years ago, we were, you know, approaching the thousand dollar mark and we're like, this is getting crazy. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day it was like nine hundred, eight hundred dollars, nine hundred dollars, and then it was unheard of to have a phone priced over a thousand. And mm. now we're getting close mm. to two thousand. It's ridiculous. And it's interesting because Google have also unveiled unveiled their new they Pixel have. phone, the Pixel Five. Uh, quite a soft launch. I didn't really see a lot of hoo-ha fanfare. Um, it's just kind of out there now. And the most surprising thing with this one is last year they did the Pixel, I think it was the 4, then they had a 4A, and then they had the Pixel 4 XL. Yes, so they had yes. three different versions, one with a bigger screen. And this year they've thrown all that out the window. They're just releasing the Pixel 5, one size. This is all you mm, get. This mm. is the phone for the year. And it's it's like a mid-tier spec phone. It's yes. not super high-end compared to Samsung or Apple. It's super just average. It's good. It's not a bad phone by any means, but compared to the $2,000 phone, it would be a mid-tier phone. But then, you know, it also comes with having a mid-tier phone, a mid-tier price. It does. So this it is going to be sub $1,000 in Australia. Uh, I'm not too sure of the exact figure, but definitely under 1000 And what, like... What more do you need? So Google have gone like, we're not doing these multiple confusing lineups. We're not throwing you an upgrade mm, model mm. to try and bait you in by, oh, the, the XL's only $150 more, so you might as well get that one. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that sales technique. This is the phone we're releasing this year. It's got good specs. It's going to do everything you need it to do. It's got a good camera, good battery life. It's going to run everything. Stock Android, super quick, super clean. Small, small, small screen, small-ish compared to the bigger phones. And and they're gone, look, maybe this is what people want now. So it's going to be really interesting to see how many people jump to this. Personally, I don't think I could go back to a small screen now after you experience like a yep. beautiful big screen as the Note series has always been the big screens. So I don't know if I could ever go back to anything smaller, whatever that size is. <laughs> but so I, Otherwise, if they did the, the Pixel to a bigger screen, I'm, I might have just gone to a Pixel. But it's an interesting thing right it, it is a little bit um they are lacking uh you know modern camera technology in that pixel phone but they're they make it up in their software base uh from what i've um read and watched about people who have actually been using these models so uh it, yeah it'll be interesting to see uh you know where battle of the phones gets i i, I really don't think you know, despite all the fanfare year upon year that um, the big contenders like Samsung and Apple are getting the volumes that they used to get because people are just, um, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of marketing hype and, and models and, and you know, the, the average cycle in Australia for most handsets is 24 months because that's how long usually the contracts go because most people... We'll contract a phone. Not too many bo people buy them outright. Although uh, I am now going down the avenue of buying outright. Um, I, yeah. I, I think I've finally got enough uh, under my belt that I've realized that I can choose a phone that I want and, and, and a phone plan that I want. And, you know, 12 months down the track, I can change my phone plan if, if my needs don't, don't suit what that phone plan was. And I'm not stuck in situ for a full two years, uh, you know, like even if, if say a new handset comes out and it's even better than, than what I've got, I can, I can just do it. I can go and buy it and not have to worry. Yeah. I've always bought my phones outright and shopped around for the best deal. 
plans are so cheap now and there's often promotional periods thrown out mm. like Coke mm. can do three months for uh, $15 or something voucher, right? So it then works out to $5 a month that you're paying. <laughs> and then at the end of that, then you can just swap over to some other deal for mm. six months and then you could go, then Kogan's back up with their offer. So if you're very savvy, you can just jump around to providers and you could pay, you know, what, 120, 100 bucks a year if you're really savvy on your phone, yep. if, if you jump around. So... A lot of people can't be bothered to do that, but I've always liked that flexibility. The only time I've ever been on a phone plan, I think, was when I actually bought this, the Note 8, and it was just a really good deal. I think it came with like a JB Hi-Fi $500 gift card or something that I could then use instantly if I signed up to 12 months on Telstra. So then it took the Mm. $500 off the phone, and then, you know, if it worked out that way, you factor that into the plan cost over the, and it worked out kind of really good. And I was on Telstra for a year. So it's rare those come across though, but yeah, outright, I definitely think is the way to go for a new phone. If you, if you have the cash. Mm, mm. And tell Telstra is incentivizing people to get new iPhones uh, on, on the, the current round of the iPhone 12 too. Uh, they're discounting the price of some plan costs for the first 12 months. So um, I think one of their larger plans, which would probably be in the realm of $120, $130 a month, can be about 65 or so uh, for the first 12 months. And then it reverses back to, uh, you know, what it originally was. So some people would find uh, that a good incentive, but it'd be easier if you stay away from that one, I reckon, given the fact that it's only 12 of your 24 months. So if you add it all up, it, it's still going to cost you in the end. That's how they get you. They do get you. They do get you. Uh, but that's enough about iPhones. We've spent quite a bit on that. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's, it, was, it was a big launch. And yeah, it's, you it, know, it's Apple, it was a so. big launch. Um, they, they did manage to jam the fact that they've got a uh, another one of their smart speaker variants coming out as well. Of course, the, um, the, the, the HomePod is in a mini variant now, which makes it a mini price as well. It's a they're looking at about one hundred and forty nine dollars for one of those, um, for you know the the similar um, target market as, as those people who didn't get a Google Home. They got a Google Home Mini and 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 Amazon with their Alexa technology as well. So um, I guess they just didn't sell as many units with the original fancy HomePod that they were looking for, and and you know they're bringing the technology across to a more affordable variant, hoping that they'll get a few more sold this time around. There you go. The other big one, of course, is um, AMD this week announcing uh, the Ryzen 5000 series. And this is, uh, you know, in their AMD AM4 architecture, and they're continuing to, I guess, allow a, a, an, an upscale of features and speed on the original chipset. Uh, they'll be available to buy from early November. Uh, they'll be supported by a whole raft of um, existing mainboards, plus new ranges as well as they come around. Um, they increase uh, the range in terms of, uh, you know, upping the base clocks to, uh, you know, 3.8 gigahertz systems, uh, which, of course, boost up to about 4.7. Um, 
price-wise, uh, they're talking from about three hundred to about eight to nine hundred dollars. Um, it, it, it's more CPUs in the range. It's probably a little more than Intel is doing at the moment. And you know, also Intel would be very hurt at this point in time by the fact that Apple has jumped off the camp and they're going down. Uh, the avenue of producing their own variant of CPU architecture like they have, uh, you know, some time ago now and and, and not being uh, in the Intel camp. Um, I'm excited to see the new release of these, um, these Ryzen 5000 processors, though, because I was considering the idea of, um, you know, now I'm sitting in my house using my home computer a lot more than, than I previously had been. Uh, now is good picking for looking at upgrading a system because you've got, you know, AMD's planning to do their thing. NVIDIA is doing some um, upping the ante as well. So mm. there could be something out there. Yeah, no, it's 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 absolutely fascinating. And it's always long awaited when AMD release a new chipset or a new video card because generally they change the game and they put the pressure on intel and mm. they put the pressure on nvidia so it was really this was a uh, long awaited early, like as someone who's close to sort of upgrading i was looking at you know the current intel chips and what was on the horizon with uh, amd and it became very clear that across the board everyone's like wait wait for the the ryzen the zen 4 wait wait to see what happens before you don't purchase anything now and i think they were right because the lineup looks really good i haven't had a chance to look in depth in sort of the benchmarking and the specs and stuff and i just i don't know if reviewers have the, the chips yet but um on the presentation it it looked really good of course it's going to look good in their own presentation <laughs> but it looked like worth the wait there there was a little bit of disappointment about the place uh because they are historically a little bit more expensive yes. than AMD normally release their chipsets at because they've been quite known as, you know, really strong performing kind of cheaper or budget chipsets. Mm, it's a mm. really bank for your buck company AMD was. So they've upped the price so people are a bit like, oh, it's too much. But it's only like $50 or something like that um, for the middle, the little one. It, it might be a little bit more expensive as you go up the range. But... Um, I don't think they want to be seen as the budget alternative anymore. And I think this mm. lineup really showing that off and they're really touting, especially their high end chipset saying, yeah. saying it's going to be the best gaming performance you'll get on any chipset. And at the same time, the best productivity chip that you're going to get. So also uh, historically with AMD, they, their big pull has been the productivity sector. So the people that do a lot of uh, video editing are people that use a lot of CAD, yep. like heavy processing tasks that require uh, larger thread counts and more cores. So that plays into that strength. So all the productivity side and creative side of, of applications, AMD was the go. But then if you were also a gamer or enjoyed playing games on the side at really high quality graphics where you have a 4k monitor then you suffered some frame rate issues and you would, would want to go with intel so if you're a gamer it was, it was always intel if you're more productivity focused you would go amd now what's really exciting with this new lineup is i don't know how it goes across the board but at mm, least what mm. they've added at, at their high-end chipset is you're going to get no compromise you're going to get the best gaming performance and you're going to get the best productivity performance as well 
and as someone who likes to play some games and is also does uh, film and video, video editing myself, and I'm always using Premiere or DaVinci yep. Resolve and the render times, you know, trying to reduce or After Effects, trying to reduce those render times is really appealing to me. And I was like, oh, what do I do? Do I go more AMD to reduce my render times or do I want to go, you know, Intel and get better frames when I'm playing games? And now if I get this high chipset, hopefully I don't, need, I don't need to compromise. So that, and for me, and I'm sure a lot of people out there like me, is very exciting. They're touting figures in the 20, 25 to 28% uh, performance uplifts compared to their previous models in terms of, you know, gaming with high settings. And, you know, with the... Um, you know, the upgrade in the models, uh, the fact that they're packing, you know, a 16-core chip into a, a, a fairly reasonable price is um, is something as well. So, uh, you know, I for, for the last six months, I've been building some systems and, and, and I've gone back over to the AMD camp again because admittedly for a little while there... Um, given I dabble in a lot of audio and, and less of the gaming sort of thing, um, I went back across to Intel because Intel was always, um, you know, the comfortable divide to get things done and get things done fast. Um, but it's, you know, it, it it's really uh, pick and choose, you know, you can choose your brand because they're, they're both equally capable uh, for those sorts of things now. And, um, you know, where AMD is right now is, is really, it, it's pushing Intel, uh, you know, to get on with things. And, and I've heard, um, you know, so many stories that um, Intel is beginning to drop the ball. And that was one of the reasons, uh, particularly why Apple decided to jump off, um, because they just don't think they, they're where they should be right now. Mm. Yeah, it's it's always been interesting. Intel's always been at the forefront of a lot of things, um, and it's interesting because AMD has always been seen as kind of the underdog. Mm. Mm. Um, but now this could this chip could be a real game changer. And then they also have the new, their new graphics card lineup coming. I think is it next year they're releasing them early next year yeah. or Q one next year. I think. Um, which is also very exciting because, uh, as you know, if you're into tech or gaming, you're probably well aware of N NVIDIA released their uh, three uh, thirty-eight or three three thousand series graphics cards, and the most hyped one was the uh, the thirty eighty, and amazing performance across the board. So it's like the biggest gain uh, jump of any generation graphics card uh, for a really good price point as well like a really affordable price point and just amazing yeah. performance across the board uh the launch didn't go so smoothly <laughs> uh there were a lot of people reporting crashing of their video cards uh when playing games or heating up or doing mm. uh, high-end tasks and a few investigative people went in it and they did teardowns of the cards and they alluded to the possible issue being in uh, chips on the back of the card, uh, the way they uh, conduct in the electronics. So there's like SP caps and then uh, MLCC caps. Yep. And there was like a variation of those. So the ones that had the more M MLCC ones tended to be fine or they could handle higher clock speeds. And the ones yep. that were more SP caps uh, or had six SP caps, they weren't, uh, they were crashing a lot more frequently. So 
there was a lot of speculation like is was the the third party manufacturers to mm. blame by choosing mm. the wrong uh caps or the mlcc which part they want to put on the card or was it, is it the card themselves like mm. god knows what the issue is but essentially it, it was when the the graphics cards were boosted up over a certain clock speed yep. they would then crash so whether or not that was the cards internal clock the boost up clock was higher than it should have been because if you've mm. ever overclocked the graphics card you up the megahertz the the frequency up and up and up until you get instability and then, then your card crashes and then you know to back it off yeah so yeah, if they mean. do this out of the box though and they get that tuning wrong of course it's going to crash like yeah. the hardware's probably completely fine it's just the, the when they tune the cards and set the clock speeds they were a little bit off or they set them higher than they should have been or they, they were higher than the, the cards parts could handle something like that mm. but so whenever anyone just had down clock their cards by i think it was like 100 megahertz or something like that they were fine and completely stable so yeah. it was i think it was definitely a clocking issue but if you're not familiar with clocking or you know you're getting this card out of the factory you should expect it to work and be stable you don't expect you have to then down clock your generally card speaking you think, oh, yeah i'm getting paid this much for my card and i have to down clock it but if that's not what the intended clock speed out of the factory was anyway, you're not really losing anything. No. But it's like a perception of because now you've had to come in after the fact and essentially fix the clock speeds. So hopefully they're going to start, if it is a hardware issue, they'll produce, they'll fix it up on their end. But I very mm. much feel mm. like it's just purely clock speed, which they, they released a new driver, yeah. uh, which is meant to address some of the stability issues. They can keep improving the driver and then they can uh, also then release possible firmware updates that reduce those internal clock speeds and the boosts mm -hmm. or people can then reduce themselves and then new cards coming out of the factory will be at that lower spec moving forward. So it was probably the most hyped card and of all intensive purposes, it was an amazing card and everyone wanted to get their hands on it. Mm. It was completely sold out early days, but the launch itself and the cards not so great not so smooth i do feel like though once everything's figured out sorted out we're starting getting you know cards out of the factories that have the right clock speeds or yeah. you know, the, the hardware's up to spec it's going to be completely fine they're probably going to be still the best card to buy this year uh the 3080 uh, it'll be interesting to AMD bring out next year i'm probably still i'm going to probably get the 3080 but now i'm going to be looking at the the new the ryzen chipsets as my chipset mm -hmm. so hopefully amd can learn a lot from uh nvidia's launch and make it run a lot smoother and if their card can be just as good as this for a cheaper price point that's going to be amazing if they do it just as good for the same price price point people have options uh if the launch goes a lot smoother it'll be great <laughs> so, i mean the only thing they could do bad is if they release the card and it's not as good as the 3080 and it's the same price or yeah, it's more expensive yeah, true so i think but I think they have a really good advantage here because they got the NVIDIA's card that they can test and compare it against for the next X amount of months, right? And then they can, based on how it performs against that flagship card, they can sort of figure out their pricing and go from there. So lots of exciting mm. stuff happening. And I'm keen to sort of get on the upgrade bandwagon. As, as you said, you're also looking at potentially doing the same. And it was really interesting. You say people are doing this because, you know, a lot more people are working remotely and working from home, which also could mean tax deductions. Well, I guess you could count some of it as a tax deduction, given the fact you're doing a lot more work from home. Uh, By the way, we're not chartered accountants, and none of this is like no, no, sort no. of financial advice. This, this is this is um, this is general discussion. It's not <laughs> advice. 
um, you would consult with um, someone with expertise in the field if you do want to make a claim because <laughs> there are intricacies uh, with what you can claim, how much you can claim, um, and, and the process of claiming as well, which, you know, I've, I've learned through um, <laughs> my, my journeys. Um, I, I certainly found myself claiming equipment um, just before I, I found myself in a position where I didn't have any work. Um, because, yeah, I did spend a few months working from home. Um, I was on a laptop then. I'm back to a desktop now, though. So, and, so you're going to upgrade in the next six months, do you reckon? Oh. I, I, I think... I think the next six months is is a good window to consider the idea of upgrading because um, we're going to have a lot of glamorous things on the market that we can really sort of get and 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 it's better than what's on offer at this point in time. Although um, three months ago, I probably wouldn't have um, I, I wouldn't have foreseen um, you know what was going on, and I would have been happy to just buy then, but. Three months ago, I still had work. So, <laughs> a lot can change. You know. a, well, a lot has been changing with COVID as well. On the gaming front, uh, you will remember a little while ago, there's been quite a bit of a stoush with Epic Games. And the fact mm. that they're not all that keen with the Apple App Store. Um, Fortnite. Yep. Yep. Fortnite, they decided to add their own payment uh, option. Apple didn't like it. Uh, essentially, they withdrew them from the App Store. They tried to uh, cut them out of their developer app as well. Um, so far in the courts, uh, what I'm hearing is um, the courts are going to hold on to any potent, uh, potential profits uh, that Epic Games could get from um, you know apps in the App Store until a judgment is made. Uh, the court is not allowing it to go in either Apple or Epic's um, direction this minute, um, but uh, Epic has joined with a few other organisations uh, to set up the Coalition for App Fairness because they believe <laughs> every day Apple taxes uh, consumers and crushes innovation. So they've joined up with the likes of Spotify, uh, they've got uh, Blix, Deezer, uh, news media in Europe as well. Uh, and that company Tile, who makes those little Bluetooth attachments that you can put on devices and track as well. Uh, and they're all potential, potentially uh, um, lobbying for some sort of fairness in Apple's charges, uh, given, I guess, that Apple sets the rates and conditions at which people can have uh, you know, paid applications in the App Store and, and even with some free applications as well. Apple tells uh, the developers how they're going to do things and, and these people and, and organisations are saying, well, you know, enough is enough at this point in time. You know, we want to see a bit of a change on this one. Although, um, given the juggernaut that Apple is, um, they, I don't think there's still going to be any budge in, yeah, in why where they're you, at and where they go. Ecosystem, and if you're not on there, then you're going to use, you lose that market share of the Apple users. Like they are mm. in complete control. And it's just Epic wanting more money, right? And they're like yeah. taxing the consumers. The consumers don't win anything from this. No. Epic is the only people that win because if it's ruled in their favor, then they get all the money. Mm. So mm. it's like, I don't like that, how they're like trying to play it off. It's, oh, it's better for everyone if Apple doesn't do this thing. It's better for corporations that have, you know, multi-billion dollar 
games on the on their app store. Like you know, what I mean, like uh, no sympathy from me here. Both companies are, are going to win at the end of the day, regardless of of, of what <laughs> yeah. the outcome is, because they're yeah, both the world's not going to stop. They're both money hungry organizations. Their interest is not the customer. Their interest is, you know, which one can make more profits. So, <laughs> so it, it, it's interesting that they've put this little uh, group of cronies together and 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 tried to move forward with something, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just going to be a bit of a thing. They play out for a little while and they're going to have to just conform to uh, what goes on if, the, if they want to keep their apps, you know, on an yeah. iOS ecosystem. So, and, Speaking of what hmm. you have to do to conform, was it recently that um, Google, remember that whole thing with the Australian uh, journalist uh, save YouTube thing that they were popping up on YouTube for Australian people being like, oh, we don't need to, we you know, they're, they're asking to pay us all this out and it's not going to be fair for whatever reason. The media fees, the organisation is yeah. being charged for, um, you know, sharing news content within Australia, yes. Well, yeah, so Google, I believe Google now has uh, agreed to pay the organisation <laughs> uh, for their content on, on YouTube and Google platforms. So it's a win for the news uh, media. But it'll be interesting to see what that means into the future because Google raised some points in there that was out, not just monetary, mm. but um, we'll see what happens. Well, the biggest so, thing that these organisations were worried about was the fact that if, um, I guess, the government setting the rules on on who collects money and, and who gets charged money, um, you know, they could get charged for stuff that they're just... I guess, um, providing through the process of aggregation, you know, they're, they're linking users to, um, content that is not on their platforms and then getting charged for it. That was their fundamental worry. Um, but then, um, we had the people on the other side of the camp that were saying, well, there's these big players like, um, Rupert Murdoch, for instance, who, who own all these, um, media organizations, traditional media organizations that, um, are trying to vie for, uh, you know, profit, uh, and they've had lots of losses in, uh, recent years because everything's evolving and they're not keeping up with it. And it's them lobbying for, you know, being able to retain an unfair balance, so you've also got now uh, people like uh, former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd uh, putting in a petition uh, to lobby the government to have an inquiry into um, Rupert Murdoch's stranglehold of uh, journalism in the country now. So, And that got a number of signatures while people could actually get into the system. They were having some technical issues with uh, the government's um, petition platform, though, that it is currently hosted on. So, <laughs> so they should. And, like, it's the government's own fault for letting it get to that such a bad yes. point to have such a monopoly, which is, is it's ridiculous in its mm. whole... All of these, mm. really. Absolutely absurd. Anyway, one more lighter note topic. Yes. More contenders in the streaming gaming platform. The whole being able to open up an application, download a game and get playing and, you know, choose any options you want. Um, Google's doing it. Uh, we, we have um, Microsoft doing it as well. With Xbox being able to stream, Nvidia, all... which we 
something like with the Nvidia Shield or something. Yeah, yeah, they were doing it too. Um, so all of these all you can eat style services. <laughs> our old mates at Amazon have decided to jump on board as well because Amazon. Why not? Yeah. They they do all the time. Uh Lunar is their new platform. Um, they're looking to roll this out soon. Uh, it's in, in a beta testing process. They say it'll work across all platforms, including iOS devices, but they're not going to use the App Store. They're going <laughs> to allow people to use it through their web browser, which is an interesting thing. But that, So what can I play on this? Well, at the moment, uh, they're looking games like uh, Resident Evil 7, Far Cry 6, Assassin's Creed uh, are jumping on board as well. Uh, that means, of course, uh, our mates at Ubisoft are, are coming mm. on board uh, to be a part of this as well. And... So I imagine most of the Ubisoft library then would be available. Mm. So essentially what it allows you to do is play a game without having a really beefy computer or a Xbox or a PlayStation. That and not needing to go and buy the titles outright. You can just subscribe. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you, you'd have access to... It's interesting because Ubisoft have like a Ubisoft premium subscription service mm. as well mm. where you pay $20 a month and you have access to all their games library. But, you know, they're, they're looking from the, the fact that um, people who are traditionally Amazon subscribers may have... You know, it, yeah. this option and that option set with Amazon and they're spending like $30, $40 a month with all these different accounts so they can stream and so they can buy shit. And, and so, you know, um, it, it's a good option for them because they've been chipping away and, and they're not gaining the market share and then Amazon comes in and just, you know, takes over. So if they jump on board, they jump on the train, they're in. It's interesting because... Most people that are, would be interested in playing video games, all these games on whatever, generally tend to be, you know, pretty savvy enthusiast people that would already have like a gaming PC mm. or that have an Xbox or a PlayStation, right? So I don't really, if you're targeting gamers to play games via streaming, like these people already have consoles and already have systems and they're already playing these games. So I don't, I don't really get who their target audience is unless i'm like a hardcore gamer and i'm in a hotel somewhere and i don't have my pc with me i can play assassin's creed on my phone but the experience isn't going to be great because you don't have your big monitor in front of you you don't have your mouse and keyboard or your controller like i don't know i, I just don't know who who this is for I, I think with these sort of things they usually throw the the big fishing net out and try to grab all host of people and, and, and have an option for everyone rather than, you know, um, just targeting one particular group of people. But, you know, that doesn't always pay off as well. Um, you can you can lose some share of your audience by trying to be everything. You might as well just target the people that you, you know you really want and you know will give you the most money than to try and reach out and grab everyone. Um, I, I, I understand this concept from, you know, working in media. Um, you can't please everyone. You just can't please everyone. And it is, it's not worth trying to please everyone because you will just drag yourself down in the group of haters um, <laughs> that will, you know, come along and, and, and bag out your products. So we'll see. Or, or 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely fascinating. We're interested to see how many people adopt it. Um, if they're just going to include it with your Amazon Prime membership, or which they don't right now, because I mean, right? I'm I'm a bit of an Amazon customer these days, especially now. I'm I wouldn't pay extra for it, but if they home. they gave it to me part of my Prime membership, I might have a look mm. at it, and then maybe I'd use it, and maybe I'd subscribe to. But if they do it like twenty bucks a month, you have access to the streaming plus you know all the people that have signed up with this. Mm. Yeah, otherwise you'd need to pay additional for the the games, I guess. Yeah, yeah, again, interesting. But I'm, I, I, me, I'd never use it. I really <laughs> don't know anyone that good. So it'll be interesting to see how the launch goes and how it works. And you need a pretty, you need like a good internet connection, don't you? Yeah, well, you need a reasonable internet connection to be able to obtain so yeah, these you things. You need to be at a place with a good internet connection. Can't be on satellite so internet like, in the middle of rural Australia yeah, being like, able to know, get it to work. If I'm in a hotel, though, like if I'm in a hotel and I just want to play some games, it's probably not going to work. Not the, not on the hotel Wi-Fi. Yeah, so like <laughs> if I'm just sitting at home, I'm going to have some sort of system. But anyway, it's going to be we'll see what happens. When do, When are we going to expecting a launch? Do we know? Uh, it's in beta testing at the moment, so it'll, it'll be a couple of Any months. Any from now until 10 years from now. <laughs> um, like, we'll you said, like you said, if it does be, become something that's bundled with um, you know, Prime membership, it could be very enticing. But if it's like Audible, for instance, where they, they want to sell it as a different product, even though you're already an Amazon customer, um, you know, I have, I've gotten rid of those subscriptions because... You end up paying like thirty, forty dollars for all of these different things that you know you should theoretically just pay one fee and have access to all. Yeah, of even if you up it from what is it six ninety nine or something a month to like ten bucks a month, and then you include um, Audible and everything, right? Even if mm. it's like fifteen dollars a month, and fifteen you would be fine. Everything you get the game streaming, you get Audible, you get Amazon Prime, you get the fast shipping. Like, why not? People would be, you get the streaming, you get uh, the Twitch link, whatever. Why not? Fifteen bucks. Mm. I mean, people would do it for sure if you got all that stuff. Include like one one Audible credit a month for you know fifteen bucks a month. Buy a book. Why not? Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll email Amazon and we'll <laughs> put our ideas forward and, and we'll let you know how it goes. So those are the major headlines of the week, the big stories that we tend to take a little bit of a deep dive into and really flesh out, unpack, and explore. But there are often quite a lot of headlines uh, that come out throughout the week that are just the headlines, really. There's no real Hmm. substance to the story. The story is essentially in the headline, and uh, we like to share those with you each and every week, and it's a little segment we call Quick Headlines. These are the quick headlines. These are the quick technology headlines of the week. Gettys gave me some quick headlines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first quick headline of the week, Google introduces song matching via humming, yes. whistling, or singing. So now you can just hum at your phone. Because, you know, often so many times you're like, oh, what was that song? Is that... <laughs> He's got hands right? stuck in his head. It's, and then... <laughs> I've put up with this for more than an hour. Oh, now. that's what it is. So if I didn't know, I'd just be like... And then Google would tell me what the song is. So that's cool. So And Spotify uh, will as well. Yeah, well, there you go. Here's an interesting one that I don't think anyone cares about anymore. Snapchat launches its TikTok rival sounds. Snap what? Snapchat. 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 <laughs> Isn't TikTok? Does anyone even now? use? Does anyone even use Snapchat anymore? It's long dead. They're trying to like hang on. They're like mm. at the bottom of their 
cliff. Like, ah, oh, don't forget about me. Ah, I'm falling down the cliff. Somewhere below Instagram. No one uses, no one uses Snapchat anymore. Like, <laughs> don't even bother trying voices. What is that? No one's going to use it. No one. We were talking about Triller before trying to yeah. buy TikTok. No, no one's using that. No one's using your Snapchat voices. Give it up. No one's using Triller because just a week or so ago, some American guy hummed along to bloody Fleetwood Mac Dreams and and now he is, you know, he's been sponsored by the company that he was drinking juice of now and, and everyone else wants to be like him and that's TikTok, so like the eco-cycle. It's so dumb. I hate it so much. <laughs> makes me so angry. Anyway, Tesla. We love Tesla, mm. don't we? Electric Jesus, yes. We love All him. Hail we Jesus. Love every week. Yes, every week we'll talk about him <laughs> for now until eternity. He's great. He's what a, good, what a good guy. Anyway, Tesla to begin production on seven-seat Model Y in November with Ooh. deliveries in early December. That's ambitious, isn't it? It is a little bit ambitious, given the fact that he's got a history of, um, you know, being a little bit behind the mark with um, where the releases have got to, uh, given, you know, unprecedented demand for the vehicles um, and all the battery technology stuff that we've talked about before as well. Like, um, I don't think they're going to be there. So um, it's the big family car, right? The big mm. soccer mum, Tesla, rock up with all the kids in the in the back of and carpool to soccer practice <laughs> you'd have to have a, a reasonable wallet for that one as well yeah i don't know how much it's going to be i imagine quite expensive it'll be over a hundred thousand dollars oh Australia, for sure for sure for sure i mean like look at the current models they're in the 90 90 to 100 thousand league so one day one day get eventually day. eventually Vir- virgin galactic remember those guys yes. richard branson wanting to launch a space flight Virgin Galactic Ready's first space flight from Spaceport America for Ooh. later this fall. And he's one of the uh, many groups that are really getting into space development and movements of late. Yeah, what was There's the other one going on? Like blue, blue something. And is it? There's, there's one other one. Is it like um, Airbus or something? Or Boeing? Um, or I can't remember. Can't remember. Anyway. We'll bring that onto your quick head next week. This uh, I'll save this one to last because it's really good. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, this is an interesting one. Um, Microsoft makes remote work option permanent, and Dropbox is the latest San Francisco tech company to make remote work permanent. Also, so we've got Microsoft and Dropbox, and probably a slew of slew of other tech companies also going to follow suit into Tosh, this changing. Toshiba has done it as well. Uh, in in the last six months, they've at least um, uh, mobilised their workforce in terms of you know being able to spend time out of the office uh, for at least you know half of their units. So <laughs> it's uh, it's looking really good for some companies. Really looking good. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting because I was reading another article that said you know if you work for a big tech company and they make remote working permanent, you can then get your epic San Francisco salary and then move out to somewhere mm. a lot cheaper and still get paid the same. But that's a bit dodgy. And I feel like they're going to adjust salaries based on the location yeah. you're working from, right? Well, they, why would they still be paying this person like 200 grand mm. a year, 300 grand a year? 
and they're paying like two dollars a week in rent. Mm. Yeah, they, they... Like, at the same time, it's the same person doing the same role, same job. The company's getting the same productivity out of this person. They therefore they should be unless the valuation of the salary is got to be based on also where you're based and the, the rent and the, the living expenses of the area to compensate, right? Like where, mm. where do you draw that line and who's going to go, oh yeah, you can move out to Alabama if you, but then you'll get paid like 80 grand a year less. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not sure where that's going to go. Um, I know there are some workforces here in Australia that are finally acknowledging that remote work can be done anywhere. Um, in customer support roles, at least, at a minimum. Um, Do you worry about this big move to remote work and, and statements like that, that jobs will get offloaded overseas to third world countries or, you know, typical you know, call center countries like India or the Philippines or Malaysia, well, where they have really skilled people, right, that could develop whatever you need to do remotely, but the the wages are significantly less. Therefore, well, Australian jobs does that worry no no not not here not here in Australia I'm I'm noticing just just from you know the people I know and um I guess the interest in the sectors that I've had that it's going back the other way again um you know uh, workforces like Optus Optus is uh, you know they've done the work from home thing for the last six to eight months Uh, they've realized that it's it's working good for their their budgeting and they're also finding that um you know some of their workforce back in australia would be well desired and and they're starting to to rehire people um you've got the likes of australia post looking to step away a little bit just a bit um from their traditional contact hubs that they've got in places like melbourne and allow uh you know people to sit in work at home positions from around you know regional victoria for instance to be able to handle the volume of inquiries because they've been bashed around um you know with covid with the way that uh some of their distribution hubs are working and and you know they need more customer support roles to keep things in tow and um, you know, a couple of web hosting companies have made sure that they've they've brought the majority of their customer support back into onshore again. And, you know, work from home gives them that flexibility to, you know, have the kind of rostered workforce they need, have the skilled people, and maybe make it a little bit more um, relaxing to uh, the employee to be able to, you know, not have to... Uh, commute and 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 be constrained by you know the 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 hours of operation and and you know what they get out of it as well and i think personally you know there there will be there'll there'll be impacts to wages because some some organizations and some sectors uh certainly count you know what they have to factor in for people to travel to the workplace and conduct their their work um but here in Australia, at least for the meantime, I don't think it's going to be too major. Um, I, I I had a look at a position recently, which was in a work from home mode, and it still seemed desirable, even though it was probably a little bit lower than what um, I'd seen for some of those type of roles, because I knew the factor of being able to just, you know, get out of bed in the morning, have a shower, um, 
get your breakfast and then set up your computer in your room in in a room like like I have a separate space for doing that sort of thing and you can close the door and then get started on the work day but know that you know you haven't got to commute to the place you haven't got the the car maintenance expenses um you're you're eating cheaper because generally you're eating at home so mm. you know it there's there's pluses and minuses to it all but um I I really think there's a bit of a there's a bit of an increase in, in, in work from home as a permanent option now for a few people. And, you know, there's organisations that are certainly uh, looking at making sure that a few um, industries start looking at it as, as, as a full-term goal as well. That went a lot deeper than a quick headline. It did. It did. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I anyway, didn't rant. The fi- yeah. The final headline of the week and probably my favourite, mm, uh, mm. that's why I saved the uh, the best for last here. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah, give it to me. Okay, you the U.S. Army mm. trials augmented reality goggles mm. for dogs. Yeah. Well, I I thought you were going to say it was like some sort of training thing or something because I mean they have been doing augmented reality training and he pulls out his augmented reality goggles and starts looking around this like he's looking into them strapped, strapped onto a dog's face. <laughs> what are they going to read their brain or something while they're doing it? No. So, okay. So the idea behind hmm. it was the, the the army uses dogs all the time for risky situations or to, to sniff yeah, out bombs yeah. or look, what's that up ahead or can you go down this alley? So the reason they, they're doing the goggles is because all those gestures are either done by hand command signals or voice yeah. command signals. Now, obviously, like if you're trying to be covert hmm. or trying to, suss out an area or you know you don't know what's behind a certain thing you want to be able to send the dog in but then at a certain Mm, point mm. you're going to lose communication with that dog because the dog will lose line of sight of you won't be able to see the hand signal you don't want to maybe shout or maybe it's too far away to shout the reason for the goggles they have them trained and and then they receive the commands via (laughs) the goggle on their head so whether or not they also have like an earpiece or something to receive audible commands from what i get it's a visual cue So then the um, the commanders of the dogs, they can still visually cue the dog to either keep going, turn left, sniff there, stop there, come back through the goggles. Mm. How cool is that? that that's very neat. Um, dogs and, are amazing. Well, animals are amazing. Like some people think animals are dumb, but, you know, um, you you own one and you, you learn the the intricacies of, of what you can teach them and, and how they can learn to communicate with you. And, and yeah, it's possible. Um, it, it will take some development with these animals, but it, it, it will certainly be something. So cool. Wow. And that's it. That is the quick headlines for the week. That, that, that was a, a warm and fuzzy ending to it. All yeah. As well. It ended on a good animal story. But yeah. Well, fantastic show. Back into it again. Um, little, little bit of a, a, a bump between it, but you know, Life hurts sometimes. <laughs> it's um, yeah, just blame been... blame COVID. Yeah, I'll... you can blame COVID. And get away with Everyone's everything. blaming COVID for everything at the moment. So yeah, let let's blame COVID. It's all good. It's techrap.net, um, the website. Uh, you can find us on all the great podcasting platforms. And if you're like me, you often stream your music using Spotify. So you can listen to Tech Rap on there as well. And then you don't need to have any extra applications and you can have it on all your devices. I, I wave around because I've got like a computer in front of me and I'm on a laptop. I've got a phone it's here. Where it as should well, be. So. You should set your homepage to techrap.net. 
And you can get us on Facebook as well. We're on there. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We don't do much on Instagram at the moment. We're getting there. I'll put up the photo of the dog with the goggles. <laughs> do it. Do it. Yeah. With yeah. the latest in technology news and views. This is TechRap, the podcast.